bad, immoral, and wrong. This is the Modern Eater Show. Piping hot and delicious. The Modern Eater. Food, 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 food. When you get a chance, turn it up on me. Greg Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman. Okay, you better believe it. Here it is. Brand new edition Saturday of the, night in the uh, Rocky Mountains. Modern Eater Show live and ready to go. Uh, iHeartRadio is our local affiliate. Thank you for tuning in. We're from Studio Kitchen, Colorado, and the Modern Eater Show continues. This is a great night in the Mile High City. Uh, we've got a great lineup for you tonight. Obviously, Brian Freeman here with myself, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Kenyon George, Dave Ravery off tonight, Little Rich Snyder. You, how do you follow Little Rich? Yeah, how do you follow the man? You don't, but full value. The show is streaming. You can check it out if you uh, so wish, but a lot of action going on. Go to themoderneater.com, and you can watch all the action. In the meantime, in between time, their chef's going to be on the show tonight. Distillers, brewers, a lot of small businesses. That's what we love, Brian. Last, well, last week, uh, last Saturday, so what was it? Small business. Small Saturday. business Saturday. It yeah. should be every Saturday. Well, it should be every day. Quite honestly, you should be supporting your local small business every single day. I agree. Just like I support local small farms. It means so much. Denver, Colorado, I'm a native boy, 47 years. I grew up in Cherry Creek. It wasn't Cherry Creek when I grew up. And you're older than that. World War. No, I'm not. 47. <laughs> That's it. Uh, let's start the show right now. Uh, without further ado, she's a councilwoman at large. Her name's Debbie Ortega. We know her so well. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank welcome. you. Thank Good you. to see Glad you again. Happy holidays. Same to you. Man, it's, there's so much to catch up on. Denver is really um, between, are we plowing the city streets well or at minimum wage? You know, so many things are going on. Um, census is one of those things, Debbie. Can we, before we jump into census, minimum wage, uh, the things that affect the city, let's talk about you for a minute. There's so many folks, and just like the Modern Eater Show, welcome. If, if this is your first time, thank you so much. We get so many folks that are new to the city. Tell them about yourself. Um, so I'm not a native, but I've been here since I was 13, born and raised in New Mexico. Um, went to Denver Public Schools. Uh-huh. I have a daughter and, and grandkids who also went through Denver Public Schools. I've got three grandkids right now serving in the oh, military. Yeah. Two are in the Navy and one is in the Air Force. Nice. EPS, which school did you go to? West. West. But I represented the district that had both west and north so i was manual high both. school <laughs> manual. manual high school okay. here east cool. manual this is a, the beginning of when they started busing kids oh right around yeah i was sixth in jackson okay. that's where we went way different world manual isn't it wild yeah you, you could live right next to south high school and get bussed over to east yeah absolutely. it was a different time um and they're doing some of that now oh really yeah with creating so many charter schools your neighborhood schools are no longer your neighborhood school in some neighborhoods. And, and what's the real reason behind that? Diversity, I, right? I mean, is that what it is anymore, though, really? Is it diversity? I mean, I think we're, we're pretty diverse as, as a culture already. I think it's privatizing our public schools. Mm. That's what I think it is. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, a, a conversation and, and, I didn't expect, but good perspective. <laughs> and a lot of it is, you know, put money into corporations that are running those, basically. Too much. Interesting. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> Debbie, uh, census. So it seems like an easy thing, right? Um, uh, I always, uh, I'd like for people just to, they go, okay, census. What, it, what is that? What does it mean to us, Debbie? So I want to tie it back to Please. the hospitality industry. Okay, how are you going to do that? So the census is a headcount that's done every 10 years. 
and the data from that census is what is used to then determine how much money comes back to our communities in federal dollars. Mm -hmm. So it's money for education, daycare, health care, transportation. And we're talking billions of dollars. Yes. Like 13, 13 billion a year. that comes back to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And, and we want more. So that right? count. And when yep. you look at the fact that we have grown so much with so many new people mm -hmm. coming here, we want to make sure that everybody counts. So how do you do that? Including our hard-to-count communities. Yeah. That's our immigrant and refugee community. I like, I like to hear you say that. Well, there's a big thing about that because there's a lot of, you know, this, Greg, is something that touches me quite a bit because I'm in the ag community. And in the ag community, you've got a lot of immigrant workers. Yep. And a lot of immigrant workers are afraid. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is we need them to be counted, not because they should be afraid, but because we need more federal support yep. to help them. And so, if we have their, if we know that they're there. Yeah. So here's what's really key to this count is that all the information that's collected is confidential. Yes. And all of the census workers who are involved in this process take an oath for life that they will never divulge any of that information. The aggregate data is all that gets shared with the agencies. Even the president can't go to one address and say, I want to know who's in that household. Mm -hmm. It's protected by the U.S. Constitution. I love you for that. Thank you for saying that. It's, it's important <laughs> that because yeah. people, get, people are afraid. And, yeah. and, and we, we're education. living in a fearful culture these days. Yeah. And we should take that away because the reality is, is it, it, you count everywhere. And we want families to know that these are the dollars that come to us that help pay for education and pay for the roads that everybody drives on sure. and the various services that are available to our entire community. As the other piece, that I, if I could just add, is that if we get a complete count, Colorado is primed to have an additional congressional seat. And the data that gets collected is used to do the whole re-precincting and redistricting mm -hmm. of congressional, state, local government, mm -hmm. Um, boundaries for the next election cycles. So as you can see, that's a big deal politically. Yeah, um, yeah turn that down just a little bit because I'm hearing it uh, in the headset. As people are joining us right now on uh, Facebook and YouTube Live, also on our iHeart affiliate here, Local 630 KHOW, talking to uh, Councilperson Debbie Ortega here on the Modern Eater Show. And we're talking census. Uh, okay, well, what does that have to do with food and beverage? Well, a lot. Uh, a lot of the folks that uh, we're trying to get counted are within this industry. I like real talk, and I like talking about things that, you know, your um, the opposition would probably ask you. Okay, uh, why, why would it be important for folks that um, aren't citizens to be counted? It's important because their voice matters. They count, and we want them to know that they are an important part of who gets counted in the United States. If we have students going to school here from other countries that are in our education system, they count when they're here. If we have, um, you know, children that are going to school in other communities, they get counted where they're at on count day. I think but it's important for everybody in this industry because so many of our, our sectors rely on these federal dollars that help offset the cost. You talked about the agriculture industry. My brother and sister-in-law, um, sister and brother-in-law, are, are cattle farmers. They grow Red Angus beef. Um, and, you know, relying on your workforce is an important part, but the resources that we get to offset some of the costs mm -hmm. for the different programs that we have are, are vital. 
and we want to get our fair share. Mm -hmm. So by counting everybody, it means that we're getting our fair share for education, for all the other categories that those federal dollars come in. Next segment, we will talk about some minimum wage um, that was passed here through the uh, city council, and we'll go into legislation and and, um, tear up in the next couple of years. But right now, uh, talking census, and and when we circle back to census, basically what I heard you say is if somebody's using resources, we want to know who they are. I I mean, is that correct? It it translates to making sure we have enough dollars to provide the resources to cover all the different and if you're, services that that people benefit from. Well, that's and, what and, no one understands. There's more cars on the road. More uh, there's more people that need to get on the bus. What are those services, Debbie? Well, there's a whole category of them, but it's again education, daycare, healthcare, mm-hmm. transportation. Um, I'm blanking out on what they all sure. are, but we get federal dollars that provide these services. Real uh, money that come through human services that come through our. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, transportation department or education department. So it's it's all those various resources that both documented and undocumented kids in our school system. It, you know, we don't look at whether they're documented or not. They count, and we provide those services. So we want to make sure that we're getting the share that is equal to the number of people who are here. And yeah. if we don't get it right, we've got to wait 10 more years wow. before we get to get it yeah. right next yep. time around. And there's a lot at stake, especially yeah. congressional seat, um, which, you know, that's that's big business right there. I think Florida's up for a cup, two more, and um, some other states that are growing exponentially, like Colorado. So we're, we're classifying some folks as hard to count. Yes. Right? Um, to qualify as hard for count, it's basically pretty easy, but there's a demographic of folks that fit in to hard to count. Uh, I think, what is it, 25% or 176,000 people here in Denver are labeled hard to count. That's a big number of folks. Yeah, and it's, it's not just our immigrant and refugee communities. Mm-hmm. It's our American senior Indians. folks. It's, it's children under five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our people serving that are incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a, a number of um, different categories listed under group quarters. So part of that is, you know, kids in our college system. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, a number of those categories. And I am um, co-chair of Denver's Complete Count Committee for the 2020 Census. We have 13 committees that represent all of our hard-to-count communities. Mm-hmm. And they have been working in the trenches. The materials that I brought, we've been distributing them at various kinds of events going on. We will have a day where pastors will be talking about this from the pulpit. Um, You know, we're at various community events with the materials. And this is just one additional way to get the word out because we have so many folks that work in the hospitality industry Mm -hmm. that um, whether they clean rooms or they're your your chefs, your wait staff, um, and they're not all, you know, undocumented, but... We want to make sure that we're reaching every sector. Um, the Hispanic Chamber receives some money from the state, and they'll be working with the business community with all of the other chambers, including the Downtown Denver Partnership. I thought, what in the world are we going to talk to uh, Councilwoman Debbie Ortega about for 15 minutes about <laughs> census? But we could go on with that. I do want to, I want to take a break off and, and go with that. But basically, it's uh, if, if you snooze, you lose. Yes. And we don't want to lose. 
correct? That's Denver. We're not. Absolutely we're trying not, not to snooze. Right. We want to have everybody counted. There are hard-to-count folks. You're taking measures of sectors of folks that are going to reach those different mm-hmm. populations of people. And it really is important because um, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that every Coloradan is taken care Absolutely. of in the best possible way. And this is what I call earning your dollars. And yes. Thank you so much, Debbie, for thank doing you. that. You're going to stick around for that. <laughs> yes. There's a gal over here. Her name's Rebecca Berry. She's with Hot Schedule. She works very closely on um, the folks that are in the restaurant industry and, and making sure that they're organized when it comes yes. to scheduling and those types of things. The minimum wage increase, seemingly not a big deal. Everybody gets more money, right? Or at yes. least the folks oh, that need it. Oh, it's a hot topic. <laughs> but there are tipped employees where this is kind of going wonky a little bit, um, turning it on its ear, if I could say. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. If you don't mind, I'd love for Rebecca just to join the conversation. We'll do that. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. Studio Kitchen, Colorado. This is a great night in the Mile High City. We're talking about all the things that are important. We're blessed to have Councilwoman Debbie Ortega here with us. We'll break off right now, send it to Little Rich in the Little Rich Corner, and we'll be back in a flash on iHeartRadio. Not love Debbie. How I mean, you know, even I'm going to tell you, Debbie. Even if you're with you or against you on a certain topic, how do you not love that woman? I mean, just how? I defy you. You don't really have an option, Rich. <laughs> well, no, no. She's she's <laughs> such a sweetheart. Hey, we've got one of our newest sponsors, Rebecca, with Fourth Hot Schedules here, and you know we're coming into that end of the year where it's like, okay, I got to I've got to improve certain things on my business. This is one of them, isn't it? It is. Yeah, absolutely. And something I want to touch on while we're talking talking about in a year real quick is a lot of businesses have growth and now we're starting mm-hmm. to look at ACA compliance is now is the time because once January hits that starts that cycle all over again and we're here for you we're, we've got you covered it's not just about your suitor rates or workman's comp it's ensuring that end-to-end your business is taken care of she's got it all covered so Rebecca I'm like okay I'm sold I need to do this well contact me Rich call me how you can email me at Rebecca.Berry oh. like the fruit at fourth.com or you can call me directly but probably email me as fast okay well this is this that's an email worth making it'll protect you we'll be right back put in red at ace at participating stores Modern Eater family, it's Little Rich. Everybody needs insurance, but do you have the insurance you need? When we opened Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the Modern Eater, we had no idea what insurance we needed. We didn't even know where to begin. Times like that, I turned to the experts. Our insurance expert, Brian Brenning with the Ewing Levitt Agency. Brian makes the coverage discovery process easy and seamless. Here's what you can expect from Brian and the team at Ewing Levitt. The absolute safest coverage, fair, low rates, quick response time, and honest, straightforward service. I've been in business 40 years. I Trust Brian Brenning and Ewing Levitt Agency. He's not just an insurance expert. He's my friend. Make him your friend and expert, too, by calling the Ewing Levitt Agency today, 970-679-7374. For the best and most reliable insurance coverage, that's 970-679-7374. It's the Ewing Levitt Agency. Hi, I'm Charlie Gottenkenny, brewmaster at Brews Beers, Denver's badass Belgian-style brewery. Bruce has some serious badassery coming up in the next month. Our new tap room at Colfax and York will be opening up, and it is a very special place. With the coming of winter, we're featuring some real powerhouse beers. The infamous Hellraiser is back on tap, along with a killer lineup of strong blonde, amber, and dark ales. 
Our unique Christmas beer, Brut Le Grand, will also be releasing soon, as well as our seasonal beet saison. And we'll have a number of limited edition barrel-aged beers that you will not want to miss. Check out all our beers on our website, along with daily food trucks and more, at brewsbeers.com. That's Brews, spelled B-R-U-Z, 1675 West 67th Avenue in Denver, where your dog is always welcome. Join us soon for some Belgian-style badassery. Hey, Colorado. This is Brian Freeman, owner of Growers Organic and a host on the Modern Eater Talk Show. Growers Organic is a Colorado sourcing company who provides Colorado's greatest chefs with the best organic produce. I've been partnering with local and regional farms for the last 20 years, and our returning customers know they can count on us over and over again. Chefs who receive the highest rating on Good Food 100 choose Growers Organic for their organic produce needs because we're experts at bridging the gap between the farm and the table. Join us in the organic revolution and go organic with Growers Organic. Look us up online at growersorganic.com. Wear black and eat spices. Hey, Modern Eater listeners, this is Zach from The Spice Guy, Colorado's favorite spice company. Spices. One minute. Life. At The Spice Guy, we have a passion for sourcing the best ingredients from the best farmers all over the world. Choose from thousands of different GMO-free spices and ingredients, or let us create and blend custom flavor profiles for whatever style of food it is that you're working with. With over 1,000 restaurants, food brands, and chefs behind us you can't go wrong when you choose the spice guy for all your spice needs the spice guy spicy born in breck raised in denver the spice guy co.com hey this is brother luck from colorado springs we're coming back <laughs> owner of four by brother luck and lucky dumpling i mean he's, he's a very very impressive man and you're rocking with the modern eater show on iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome back to the Modern Eater Show. I think I'm talking to a camera that's turned the other direction. Um, You're fine. We got all four guests, so everybody looks great. That's right. Well, what a spirited conversation. I always appreciate these things. Myself, Greg Hollenbach, Brian Freeman, along my side right here from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. We have the opportunity to catch up with Councilwoman Debbie Ortega. Is a council person now. I have such a hard time. What, what, do you, what do you like to be called, council person or woman? Just call me Debbie. Just call you Debbie. That's the great thing about you. Just call, just call her Debbie. Uh, Rebecca Berry is going to join us with fourth uh, by hot, uh, hot schedules by fourth, right? Yeah, it, you know, we just a mix of the words is fine as long as they flow together sure. somehow, right? So just so you know, Debbie, uh, we've had a conversation before about minimum wage. We've kind of been following this. We're going to switch gears into minimum wage. So thank you for allowing Rebecca Berry thank to join you. us. Yeah. It's a pleasure yeah, to sit next you. to you. It's, a, it's always a great thing to get uh, perspectives, um, whether they're different or not, because a lot of times we all want the same goal. It's right. just a matter of how we're driving to that goal. So here it is. The, it's been passed through city yes. council. Um, Debbie, do you know the details of this? I know it's a ramp-up period from 2020 to 2022 of what that will look like as far as minimum wage employees and what they will earn. What do they earn now, and what is that projected? So it doesn't go into effect until January, and that was intentional to give folks time to, you know, just sort of ramp up for that. Um, I don't have the numbers in my head. You may be more familiar with them than I am. Um, But... There was a lengthy process that Councilwoman Kenich was engaged in that solicited input from folks that would be affected by this change. And there were many changes made to the original draft based on that input. And part of that included the tipped employees. Part of that included um, when that would, you know, ramp up, how that would ramp up, because initially it was going to be just the first two years, and now it was extended to 
three years so that it wasn't such a big hit in those first two years? Well, and, and aren't we just coming off the tail end of the last one, right, that's going to raise it? Because in January, we're going to get to $12. And, and one of the things that I lo- – you know, this is, a, this is a really hard subject for From me. From where? 12 to where? We, no, we're going from 11, 11, 10 to 12 in January. And then ultimately in 20. And then it'll go – it'll by the, by the end of this, it'll go to 15. Okay. Let, let's That's bring a, it, it's a hard – Let's bring it very specifically to restaurant industry because here's the rub. The folks are saying, okay, minimum wage increase is great, but we're working in a business with very small margins, restaurant but, but wait. Tie in all of food uh, I, well, because hold, hold it's just not the restaurants. So every the but whole wait, food chain on, from start on, to finish. So hold on a second. So so here's the rub. Um, tipped employees. So should tipped employees make more money when they're making tips? So there's a cushion of three dollars and two cents from the high minimum wage to where a tipped employee would be. Goes up a little bit for the tipped employees. Right. But if you look at it, say your burger is eighteen dollars, and now it's going to be twenty-five dollars. Your total bill is going to bigger, be bigger, so you're going to get more it's tip. You're going to get more tip money. Yeah. So the front of the house is making more money in tips, making more money as a minimum wage, and the back of the house employees are still like, "Where are we going to be at?" Um, so there's a disconnect, and there always has been. If we could have a productive conversation, here's what I would want it to be: How do we start compensating the back of the house employees so that it actually catches up with the front? the house and they're not feeling so neglected is there a way rebecca berry you know it's a real challenge and i have to say that we're struggling with keeping good talent as it is in the back of the house and there's constant turnover i was actually on the show a few weeks ago and one of our guests who was on said help me solve this issue of how to keep a dishwasher and we have to compensate better and whether it's that they're going due to things with the green rush that came in or they're going to a higher paying restaurant down the road. I mean, we're having huge expansion. The Denver market is growing like crazy. So what's the value of keeping that employee? And I I think we're still struggling to find that fine balance between having that level of tipped employees and then bringing up that minimum wage to where it, you keep that talent. So it, it's a tough subject. It Rebecca, really, really can I, is but great. let me jump in there because Greg, I don't know that I wholly agree with the statement that you made. I, and this is going to sound strange that what? the back of the house should be commiserate with the front of the house because it's that's like saying that someone that works in the warehouse should be at the same level as one of the salespeople. The salespeople have their an opportunity to create their I destiny. I'm saying that. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I and I know and that's here's what's critical here yeah, because please. if you're not paying people a wage that affords them to live in our city, you ask where do they go? Yeah. They're moving to the suburbs. And sure. guess what? Yeah. They're working out there. They're not coming yep. into Denver and having to pay the extra cost to transport, dealing with their kids, shuffling them around when they can live and work in the community that they just had to move to because they couldn't afford to stay in Denver. Well, and, and Debbie, though, I would say those are almost different because here's here's where I go with this, and this is why I, I, I'm a, this is really hard for me. I pay and always have. When minimum wage was eight dollars, all my workers minimum wage at Growers Organic was twelve dollars. Mm-hmm. Right now, minimum wage at Growers Organic is between the fifteen and sixteen dollars already. Everyone gets insurance at Growers. I've already done these things, but I don't necessarily need anyone telling me to do it differently because I'm already doing what, what the I, market I would dictate. What, yeah. Yes, I, I and, hear you. And, and a lot of people that we talk to were already doing that. Yes, this is to help workers in those environments where none of that has caught up. And, and we've got families struggling. I mean, you know, in many of our neighborhoods, we've got families with 
two and three generations having to live in the same house and pull their resources just to afford to stay in their homes. Sounds like my house. So, <laughs> yeah, well, how, do, how though do we educate people to find, because one of the things I, I, I find so crazy is, is when I do go out there and I see people that are still making 12 bucks an hour. And I'm, I'm like, wait a second, don't you know in Denver? I mean, in, you know, better for worse, that green industry that you were talking about, they raise the bar to 18 bucks an hour and I'll pay you every Friday cash. So that's a completely, to do something that's, in my eyes, not as hard work as someone driving a truck, someone throwing boxes in a warehouse, someone picking lettuce in a field. So, so let me just tell you about one of the other industries that, that I worked on to make sure that we created opportunities for people in neighborhoods along the I-70 corridor, for example, with that construction project that is underway right now, we made sure that there were commitments to apprenticeship trainings and, and hirings for people that are along that corridor. And it's not just isolated to Denver. Um, that same um, commitment is being tied into all of our big bond projects, to the airport projects. So we're getting people trained in livable wage jobs by plugging in into these apprenticeship opportunities. They get to pick which trade they're interested in in being trained in. So there are multiple opportunities that are being created that help families that are struggling in Denver. Not everybody wants to go into the same, you know, professions. And so you got to give them options, right? Yep. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. <laughs> At the end of the day here, you know, the Modern Eater Show, here we are. We try to be the champions for Denver culinary and, and the folks that work within it. And we want everybody to be happy and healthy. And I know we're up against a break, but I do want to do a quick round robin before we break off and uh, say goodbye to you, Councilwoman uh, you. Debbie Ortega. The, the round robin is, at the end of the day, uh, restaurant owners are struggling with very small margins, um, truly just trying to survive. Any increase in any category, whether it be food or, or labor, um, is truly something they have to examine within their business and find more money. That could be passed on to the end consumer, to where you're paying more for your meal. Fine, I'll do that because I know a lot of folks won't do that. And subsequently, folks will be put out of a business. Long story short, I have seen for so long the disconnect for the back of the house being now put into a part-time or transient job. They're not there for a career anymore. It's very sad. There are a lot of folks that have used that as a career and, and a very noble career for a long time. How do we get back to that? How do we make a living wage? How do we make that disconnect from the front, front of the house to the back of the house just as far as making wages go? Jay, you said something to me. Take $2. So, so here's the th uh, 28 years in the restaurant business, uh, including last night. The thing to me is tipped employees, and I'm a bartender, right? And I was telling Greg in the car, we make at an average place, you make 20 to $30 an hour, right? That's at $8 an hour minimum wage tipped right now. I would have no problem, and, and bartenders wouldn't even know, most of us, right? Yeah. If you take that, whatever you're trying to raise our wage to, you take that and you and you raise uh, regular minimum wage, untipped employees. That way we could keep a door guy who would stay there for $14 an hour versus not stay there for $12 an hour, right? We're going to be all right. We're already making $30 an hour. In some places, are, it's way more than that, right? You, they'll survive. Tipped employees will survive if, if, if their minimum wage doesn't keep going up. 
give that to give it to the guys in the kitchen because I don't want them having yeah. my tip money in the kitchen because they don't go through what I go through to get that tip yeah. money. You know, and and so that argument goes on till the end of time. So Debbie, I know that there's no place for government to mandate that to folks and to business owners. But how do we encourage business owners to be able to and actually make this functional for them to be able to make this feasible or plausible for folks in the back of the house? I think it's providing some of those creative solutions to groups like the Colorado Restaurant Association that can share these great ideas with their membership. Now, not everybody's a member, but, you know, it's a small community, right? And, And everybody talks to each other, and this is a great opportunity to get the word out. But I think I did not hear that suggestion during the public input process. So Jay, where were you? <laughs> hey, wait, He's wait a here, Greg. When you say uh, you didn't hear that, does that mean you like that idea? I think it has merit. Hey, but, guy went but, to community again, college. I, I is... dismiss them all the time with that, Debbie. <laughs> Rebecca, closing. Yeah, I mean, I love the as Jay's saying. I completely agree with that. And you also create a career path, right? I mean, some of the That's most important. successful people I know who have been with Red Robin, Raising Cane, started as bussers, as dishwashers, 15 years ago. So you create not only, as Jay was saying, that creative idea. You structure a career path. So there's a goal at the end of the tunnel or, you know, something to climb sure. from. And then you're not paying to train new people every other week. That's so costly. That turnover affects, you know, yeah, it's your customers. And then you're understaffed, so you can't serve anybody. So it's just a really dangerous place to be in. We so need to creativity. Continue. I like it. And we need to continue continue with this conversation. I'm getting personal emails from restaurant owners that are frothing at the mouth like, I want in on this conversation. We'll continue it, right, Debbie? Absolutely. All right, we'll do Happy that. Happy to come back anytime. Thank you. Happy holidays. Same to you. There she Thanks is, Debbie Ortega.